Hello, everybody. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ, and welcome to The Spirit of EQ podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Dr. Candace Thomas Maddox with Ohio University, Scripps College, Communication Studies. Life is a journey. Spirit of EQ helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals, leaders, teams, and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence. Spirit of EQ is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence. In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. Joining me as always is Jeff East with the Spirit of EQ. Hi Jeff, how are you? Hi, Eric, and everyone listening. Candace, it is a pleasure to have you on the show today. I'm so glad you could join us. Oh, thanks for thanks for having me, Eric. We're really excited. And um, as I try to do with every episode, instead of me butchering titles, which I may have done in the beginning anyway, but I'd like you to maybe tell our audience a little bit before we get into what we want to talk about today, a little bit about your background, a little bit about what you do, and then we'll segue into some great conversation. Well, um, currently, I'm in my 26th year, it's hard to believe, 26 years. That can't o- be so. Yes, at Ohio University, and uh, I started there in the School of Communication Studies, and uh, over the years, I've really kind of developed my, I guess you'd call it my portfolio of courses that I teach. Uh, I My areas of interest are interpersonal relationships, and, and because of that, that's really guided me uh, to to look in the context of families and family communication, but my background actually started in instructional communication. Oh my. And I did my doctorate work at West Virginia University. So uh, a lot of my work focuses on uh, communication in the classroom, communication as it uh, relates to instruction and learning. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So I bet you were really surprised when I reached out to you and said, hey, would you like to be on the podcast? <laughs> I was. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, yes. So full disclosure, everyone. She yeah. was surprised. But you know what, Candace? Um, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on, and I know we're going to talk about a lot today, but was the dynamic of the world in which you operate in the university setting. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe from the perspective of how you've been navigating this year we call 2020, <laughs> uh, probably one of the most memorable years yeah. of, of all time, right? And then uh, getting into what are the students and where they're at and, and what they're doing to navigate. Um, Jeff and I talk a lot about uh, decision making on the show. Mm-hmm. And what we have found in working with our clients or even just in conversation, mm-hmm. the podcast is the dynamic of how important that is, but how little on purpose thinking there is about it. Mm-hmm. So. Selfishly, I wanted to have you on from that perspective. Also, because of your background, the things that you mentioned there. Um, so maybe let's start personally for you. Uh, we were rocking and rolling January, February of 2020. You had your plan. You knew where you were going, what you wanted to do. And then we had this knock on the door. So could you talk a little bit about as as a professor, um, and I know you're not just doing work inside of just Ohio University, what? How did you change your decision making grid? I mean, what did you have to do differently than what you were doing previous? Yeah, I mean, that's it, you're right. It's kind of like the we we had our game plan in motion. We were going full steam ahead. Students were. Uh, I'm I'm trying to remember. Yeah, students were on spring break. I was trying to. Yeah, they were on spring break, wow. and all of a sudden yeah. we yeah. we got word that. Uh, Hang on, you're not coming back from spring break. We're gonna we're gonna put the brakes on it for I think it was like a week initially. They said we're gonna we're gonna hang on for about a week, and yeah. during that week they were you know I think it, it, communication has been absolutely uh, you know essential through this whole process, and it was right. we were receiving messages saying you got to be ready to pivot. Um, we're not sure what's happening, but you got to be you know ready to pivot. So as a as a teacher. 
a lot of the decision making was how do I how do I make this shift and how do I make it quickly and how do I do it in a way that that still engages students. So, Candace, you mentioned something. The, the, the I would imagine administration of the university was saying mm-hmm. you got to be ready to pivot. And whenever I hear that, I think, okay, you got to be able to pivot to X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Was there any clarity of what you were pivoting to? Oh, yeah. They, they had made us aware you've got to be ready to pivot because it's, it's highly likely we're going to have to take this game online, okay. if you will. So you knew it virtual. We knew, yeah. Okay. We okay. knew it was going to be online. Now, what I will say is from my perspective, I had years of experience teaching both online in person, uh, teaching via video and TV, but it was really challenging for uh, faculty who had never taught online. They'd spent years face-to-face in the classroom, and all of a sudden it was like, figure it out. And we didn't have a lot of time to, or the the resources, or the time to provide the training, the thought process of of how how do I make this work. Go ahead, Jeff. One of the things that Eric and I really enjoy doing is when we get to present or teach in front of a group, Mm -hmm. in front of the group, not online. So for someone like you were describing, what would you tell them to allow them to become effective when they're just a little box on the screen? Yeah, it's that's a really good question. I will tell you, it's um, and 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 I can't take credit for this. There was an administrator here in the Columbus area who had posted a video uh, to teachers in the school district saying, don't be so hard on yourself. You're not going to be perfect, and it's okay if you're not perfect. Um, but but you've got to take that end goal that you were working toward and say, I may not do all the things that I had mm-hmm. on my game plan, but what can I cut out and still make learning meaningful? And so that's – I mean, you've got to think through that process, you know, what – what can we take out of this and, and not diminish the quality of the educational experience? Try to figure out what is the important thing you want you to go. relate. Yeah. Okay. I think that really hits a bit on the idea of self-empathy, Jeff. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. this, you know, it's interesting when we have to pivot and, and when it's a have to <laughs> thing, uh, it can be very easy to be hard on yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because you're trying, it's like it's almost like someone has put you inside of another body, and 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 you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out how do you walk in someone else's, you know. And it's interesting. And one of the things that you'll find, Candice, with our podcast, very rarely, if ever, do we not bring in some musical reference. Oh, here we go. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I have one, Jeff. All right. Are you surprised? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I'm watching an interview with Daryl Hall. Of Hall oh, Hall, right? I love him. Uh, with uh, Dan Rather. And um, I think it was called The Big Interview or something yeah. like that. But uh-huh. he was asking him about all of his different iterations over time. Mm-hmm. And I want to say Dura Hall's got to be close to 70, if, if not. Oh, older. at least. Okay. Right? I mean, so he's talking to him and asked him the question about, um, so do you have, I mean, you've always seemed to be able to make changes as the music business mm-hmm. has changed and on and on and on. And this was a pre-COVID interview as well. But he asked him, so do you have any of your peers that, you know, uh, are kind of feel kind of stuck because the music business has changed? And he was so clear about, hey, look, at the end of the day, when I realized that this was not something I could hold on to, I let go. And he said, if those who still are holding on to what happened 20 years or so ago and are waiting for that to come back, I feel bad for him. And I, I sat there, and, and I'm probably poor, poorly paraphrasing. The interview is very much worth your time to check out. It, it's a very powerful interview. But it makes me think about the frustrations that can kick in when you're in this place of – because i got to imagine, Candace, and not so much you because I know you pretty well, right? I mean, where people were kind of going, oh, well, we'll just be doing this virtual thing for probably a month or two. We'll <laughs> yeah. flatten the curve. We'll get people back. Was that – Kind of some of what was oh, happening. I think absolutely. Initially, I think folks were thinking, okay, in fall we'll go. You know, I could survive for the what I think we had maybe five, six weeks left in the semester. Right, I can survive another five or six weeks, and then we'll, you know, give a big sigh of relief, and it'll all be over by next fall. And I think that what folks are, you know, instructors are now and students. I mean, I've, I'm advising my students right now for spring semester classes, and of course. 
they're asking the question, is everything going to be the way it used to be next fall? And and the phrase I keep saying, and you've heard, I'm sure both of you have heard that, you know, when we say normal, nothing's ever going to be what we knew before COVID. I really don't think so. I think the way that we, I think students are starting to get used to uh, this change in format and yeah. delivery, and it really works for some of them. I think there, I've got faculty colleagues who are, I would have never thought that, uh, you know, I would, I think they would say you'd take me kicking and screaming to online teaching right, or right. doing Zoom teaching or teaching via Teams. But now they're like, it's not that bad. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, would you say, uh, again, I know you you had a bit of an advantage over some of your peers, but was there anything in this window that... Um, maybe caused you a little bit of heartburn, a little bit of frustration, um, whether it was inside of the realm of teaching or outside? Mm -hmm. um, if, if, if I were to say what caused me the heartburn, okay. if you will, mm -hmm. is I, I think we talked about this. I love being face-to-face -face with my students. Like gotcha. over the years when I've taught courses online, the you know the primary reason for that is to make education accessible to students right. for working professionals who don't have the flexibility to come to a college campus and and take courses so i think that um the biggest the hiccup or the heartburn as you referred to it mm -hmm. was just not having them in the room with me and so i mean I, and i'm sure everybody out there listening can relate with all the zoom meetings that Yo, we conduct that yeah it's um it's terribly disconcerting when you look out and you're talking and all you see are boxes with names um, and no faces yeah. out there. Yeah. So. Wow. Wow. That's that's powerful. And, and I know in, in our work, Jeff, mm -hmm. I mean, we, we relate. I mean, because we were at a place pre-COVID where it was it was the blend. You know, mm -hmm. we had some clients that wanted to be in person. Some wanted both. Some wanted only virtual. And then to have it shift yeah. so radically – um, and it kind of makes me think, Jeff, we talk a lot about on the show about preparation, about practice. Mm -hmm. right? And Candace, for your benefit, this idea that, you know, if you're willing to show up to practice and you're willing to put in the work, mm -hmm. emotional intelligence is learnable. The key thing is, is that will to do those two things, mm -hmm. show up and put in the work. <clears throat> and when everything is going well. A lot of times, let's face it, we can say, I'm good. And maybe we say, I won't come to practice tonight. I'll come next week. <laughs> on and on and on, right? And the most important thing for us to be working on, right, is ourselves in, in, mm -hmm. in, in the biggest of, of ways, right? And I, I, I feel for those that maybe got caught off guard with this, and reasonably so. I would have never predicted a pandemic. I mean, if no. you would have said to me, hey, think of something that could really rock the world, <laughs> I, 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 that wouldn't have come to it my mind. Would, yes. You didn't put $20 down pandemic. No. no. If, no. if there were Vegas betting odds, <laughs> I missed that one because I would not have guessed it. The beauty of it, though, is that you can start now, whether it's a professor in, in academia or whether it's uh, a kid who's just their freshman year in college or whatever, right? So that's my segue to... What would you say is the state? And, and again, if you want to stay high level or if you've got examples of the students today where they're at from a mentally, emotionally perspective. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. There are some students. And when you were talking, Eric, the first thing that came to mind when you were talking, you know, just speaking was was motivation. Yeah. When you were talking about practice, um, there's. You know, intrinsic motivation, obviously, mm -hmm. and then there's extrinsic motivation. And what I see is the students who are succeeding right now in this environment are very intrinsically motivated. Uh, um, I think that that's something that somehow as instructors, as universities, we've got to capture in this remote virtual environment is how do we, how do we capture those students that are very extrinsically motivated just by the letter grade and mm -hmm. um, make learning – it's something that they they're excited about. So would you would you say that the intrinsic motivation might be the key differentiator between the successful student and the maybe not so successful? I think it's it, it, it's intrinsic motivation. I think uh, one of the things I've seen with my students is self discipline. 
Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Being able to identify and establish priorities, mm-hmm. uh, figure out what your goals are and what you need to, you know, what steps you need to take to accomplish those goals. And right. so I think the, the time management, the intri- but, but the intrinsic motivation that, that they're there because they love what they're learning. Yeah. Uh, and, and love might be a really we'll take a strong word, no, but we'll they're interested it. in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, the, the, the thing I was going to ask, and, and uh, we, we talk, uh, one of our competencies in the, our emotional intelligence model is intrinsic motivation. So we're, we're very motivated to talk about intrinsic <laughs> yes. motivation. Um, but, he, but here's what's interesting to me. Um, I mean, I know, like, for example, um, you know, yesterday, great example for me. Um, we still have all this election stuff that's hovering mm-hmm. about. I mean, um, I, I, the news media is feasting, right? Mm. Uh, and then here in Ohio, um, there was word swirling around that our governor was going to institute another lockdown. Yeah. Um, now, of course, a lot of that was rumor. You know, I had my son calling my wife saying, you know, that I was talking to so-and-so and he says that he thinks the government, blah, 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 blah. So I found it interesting that um, I was feeling that fear thing kick in. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do with another lockdown? We survived the first one and maybe even came out looking really good after the first one. I'm not prepared to say a second one, you know? And then I won't bore you, Candace, with some of the details of me managing it, but I'm thinking about if I get that, even in those just brief moments of where I'm, you know, I'm wrestling with it. Okay, mm-hmm. Eric, think about it. Okay, wait, you didn't know, you don't know. What about those kids? Mm-hmm who carry that with them. Yeah. Um, and I know you, you have so many students being able to say that, oh, yeah, 20 are good, 10 are okay, and then five are in really bad shape. But overall, your perspective on that kind of thing, how they're dealing with things like fear. It's, um, yeah, it's been powerful. And for me, it started back last spring, of course, with my own students, but with my son, who at yes. the time – senior in high school, yep. you know, sports seasons lost. And I think one of the things that I've tried to carry with carry over with my students in the classroom is focusing on, like just repeating to them over and over, you've got to start looking for the positive outcomes in this. You've, you've got to focus on the positive. And I'll give you an example. <laughs> uh, I'm teaching a class this semester in training and development. And normally the students get up in front of the class, they deliver their training session in person. And I remember at the beginning of the semester, a couple of the students just (laughs) expressing defeat saying, well, we can't do this now. Since we can't meet face to face, we can't do this. And so I think one of the challenges in in helping those students work through their fear, their frustration, Mm -hmm. the negativity, is I think we constantly have to remind them to look for, and it sounds really crazy to say look for the positive outcomes due to covid but i'm telling them do you understand like how much stronger your resume is going to look when you come out on the other end of this because you can say to a company not only don't i how to, do i know how to d- deliver a training session but i collaborated with a team and we you know we had to do all of our planning and our rehearsals virtually and i delivered it virtually over zoom um and i said so now you've just demonstrated to an employer that your 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 skills are multifaceted. You can do it in person, you can do it online, and no matter what the future holds, you're ready. And I think that's what we we need to keep reminding students is search for the positive. Yeah. Another one of our competencies. Mm-hmm. Exercise mm-hmm. optimism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's really, really powerful. I um you know you, you mentioned um this this idea, you know, they're coming and saying, you know, well we can't do it now, mm-hmm. you know. Um I, I think, um, and, and it's tough, Candace, and I know you know this, right? I mean, so much of our, the, the, the primary education, the K through 12 experience for mm-hmm. kids, there's, there's some things that get left out mm-hmm. that are life stuff. It's not, it's not math and science. It's, it's life stuff. Yeah. And, and I'll never forget my son, Grant, who, you know, um, mm-hmm. he, he's talking to me about, um, he was really stressing. This was like before prepping for the ACT. That's what mm-hmm. it was. And uh, I said, Grant, I said, I want you to do your best. I really do. And I want you to put, put your work into it. I mean, don't, don't mail it in. So, however, 
I'm most concerned that you're going to be ready for that thing called life. Mm-hmm. Because most people I know as adults, the things that knock them off of their horse mm. is not whether or not you understood algebra or calculus. Nothing wrong with that because you may find that you'll need that. But being able to know who should I hang with and who shouldn't I hang with? Mm-hmm. Well, what do I do when they offer me this one thing and says it's not a big deal? It's all that. And it, he, he, fortunately for me, so far, so far, he, <laughs> he gets it. I just think so much about these students that maybe don't have that support. And I know it's not the responsibility of the university to make sure that they're equipped for life. I, I get mm-hmm. that. But I, I think it's so great that you're talking about things as simple. And even though I know it probably sounds kind of, you know, cliche, search for the positive. Mm-hmm. But if there ever is a time that a cliche makes total sense, yeah, now is that time. Well, and I think it's not only the positivity, but that it's okay to push pause. On, yeah. You know, it's it's okay to slow down. And I think the one thing that I see through all this is that students, um, I know this working with, with incoming first-year students and sophomores, and they're, some of them are so stressed out because they're, you know, in high school, I, I had my aptitude test, and it said that I should be this, but I really don't know if I want to be this, and my parents are worried that I'm going to waste credit hours if, I, if I'm taking classes that don't count, and and, you know, of course, I'm telling them it's okay if you don't know what you want to do. That's what college is all about, to figure out oh, wow. what you want to do and and what makes you happy and what energizes you. And I think that, again, what what this pandemic, what this season's taught us is we need to stop a second and, mm-hmm. and, and, and think about – I think we're all on this, this fast track to this end goal that we established and maybe stop and rethink what that end goal mm. was. And and so like just today, I advised a couple of students before I came here and they're like, well, I've got to take this number of credit hours. And I just very, well, their parents may be upset with me for saying this, <laughs> but I said, no, you don't have to take that. You're telling me right now that life's stressing you out. So pause. Don't, don't take five classes, take four classes and and do them really well rather than stressing yourself out over um, doing everything kind of halfway. Yeah. So it could be four years of stress or five years of. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yes. And yeah, you're absolutely, yeah, of enjoying mm-hmm. a little bit and really figuring out where their passions lie. Um, yeah, that's good, uh, Candace. Uh, and and I, I've. Uh, uh, you know, again, you think about the advice that you give uh, to your kids. Um, I, you know, another talk, right? And and he's asking me, you know, I'm, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Hey, should I do? What do you think? What do you think I should do? And I, I said, Grant, I can't tell you. I said, however, I can tell you from experience, every pursuit you have is going to have some crap attached to it. Yep. It's going to be stuff you don't like to do, stuff that frustrates you. I've been in situations where I hated the job and I had to deal with the stuff I hated. Yeah. I said, the trick is find the thing or things that really make you come alive mm-hmm. and recognize even there you're going to deal with it. But it's so much better to deal with it when you're doing something that you feel like is you, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think um, though COVID has, has uh, really turned so many people upside down and, and, that's across the spectrum, right? Do you think that there is more the universities will be doing uh, as they manage this transition? And I know we haven't really mm-hmm. talked about what are the universities mm-hmm. having. Um, do you think they'll offer more? I don't want to use this because it's just in my head. Life skill, life management sort of help. And I don't know if that's something that happens with a yeah. professor or if it happens with an advisor or things like that, because it would seem to me that's going to be needed. That's, I mean, that's a really good question. I know that from a faculty and an mm. administrator perspective that right. we've been encouraged, like I mentioned the, uh, the school administrator here, and yeah. you know, um, check in on your students, ask them mm. if they're okay. Like don't, you know, some of the advice we were given in, uh, at the start of the semester was don't just jump into your learning and say, 
okay, today we're going to talk, you know, here's this theory. It's okay to take five minutes and say, how are you guys doing? How are you coping? Mm. How do you, how do you feel about this? Is there anything you want to talk about? And so I think universities are identifying a lot more resources that we previously, I, I just think we overlooked them because we were so focused yeah. on the academic mission that maybe we for, forgot or just didn't think about the emotional mission mm. that's, that's, that really should, you know, yeah. be part of all this. Yeah. Yeah. And we've, we've used it here, you know, emotions are what drive people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of our, and, and uh, just an alert to you audience, this is not me man bashing, <laughs> <laughs> especially with guys, they can tend to, you start talking about emotions and feelings and they get mm-hmm. visions of air supply singing, you know, whatever that song was, I think it <laughs> So, not that there's anything wrong with air supply. Uh, it's but better my, than bread. Uh, okay, well, yes, okay. Pick any 1970s pop, uh, Little River Band, okay, or whatever. Uh, as I date myself. <laughs> okay, producer Brett, would you please make a cut there somewhere? I want to feel like I'm not an old man. Uh, so, um, I, I guess I think about um, the dynamic of, okay, um, I really don't want to focus on how I'm feeling or what what my emotions, Eric. I that, that, I need to get to work or whatever, right? Uh, we, we do find that um, women are more prone to be open to it. Mm-hmm. They're not always embracing of it, but they're more open to it, to their advantage. But there's this idea that emotions are driving you whether you want to believe it or not. Absolutely. It, and it's a matter of whether or not you're managing those and it's not a, a a case of well okay i can't cry or uh i can't let them see how i it's not that it's it's okay get it ultimately jeff and we've talked about this mm-hmm. before it's it's allowing your logic brain to catch up so that you can make a better decision yeah right because in the end if i make a decision in the midst of what happens it's a reaction mm-hmm. and i don't know about you guys jeff candace most of my biggest mistakes happened when I went now. Yeah. <laughs> what I think of is when I was in chemistry class in high school, reactions were. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And yeah. that's, I agree with Eric. That's how a lot of my reactions instead of a response yeah. have ended up. And that's, that's what we're looking for is to be able to logically thinking, but using that information that your emotions are giving you because that's what they're there for. They're to give you information. There's Your something own personal data. Yeah, it's something that you need to be aware of. It's making yeah. you feel that way, yeah. and that's the hard thing to get people to. Well, and Jeff, you know this idea that you know we've been taught that there's certain emotions are good, certain emotions are bad, mm-hmm. and that could be nothing further from the truth. The reality is, emotions are chemicals in your brain, mm-hmm. and anger is just as valuable as joy. You got it. It's just a matter, you know, and I've had this conversation with folks when they get, I just got so mad about it and I got, and I know I shouldn't have. And I'll ask them, well, well, why shouldn't you have gotten mad? I mean, cause I mean, did you scream? Did you punch someone? No. Well, maybe you should be mad, but, and then they'll look at it as kind of like, well, but I thought that I should, well, no, it's what you do with it. It's yeah. what you do with it. Um, so uh, a, a segue here. Um, so Candace, I know we talked a lot about the students and about their struggles and what you're seeing and things you're doing in the classroom, but how about you? I mean, just personally, I mean, are mm-hmm. there's some things that you've been working on? Uh, and I, I do want to ask you about specifically from a, a work career perspective, but I'm talking about whether it's something you're doing with your physical, mental, spiritual, emotional life to kind of prepare you, I know for the unknown, but where you feel like it's going to make you stronger, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and that's a really good question because again, I made the comment about students being on this fact, fast track. And if I'm honest, I was on this fast track myself. Yeah, You know, it yeah. was, you know, the, the, the guidelines of, you know, the involvement in committees and, you know, mm. driving to campus and participating. And, and what I found was I had given up 
uh, a lot of the time for doing just even casual reading uh, mm. that might that I might find inspiration in for a, whether it's a research project or or just relaxation. It, you know, I, if I'm honest, it was on this almost on this wheel like keep going and and you look forward to vacation. And then vacation's over and you're like, oh my gosh, all the things that yeah, I missed. So, yeah. so there's that. But but through all of this, um, one of the – again, framing it in the, the positive yeah. and taking out the negative frame is yeah. that initially while it was stressful, you know, the university provided us with resources saying, as you move to online teaching, here's this that you can learn and here's this, this that you can mm-hmm. explore and here's this website and this webinar. And before – COVID, I would have said, I don't have time for that. I don't, mm. I, I, you know, sounds really good, but I don't have a lot of time for that right now. Wow. And I've made time for it. And it's, it's, it's changing my perspective as a professor. It's caused me to, to rethink teaching, mm. uh, to rethink about uh, what I want my students to accomplish and what I, what I want them to learn from my example. If you You're making so many great points there, and and Jeff and I really try to create a space here in this podcast that it, vulnerability is the strength of the day, and mm-hmm. I appreciate you being vulnerable yeah. in that way. And, and one of the things that you said that really resonated is this idea that something that has really been really, really bad has produced something really, really good. Yeah. And, and it's a dichotomy, I know. And, and most mm-hmm. people would say, no, 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 Eric, this is the – all I'm saying, please hear me, audience, is that if I could walk out of this studio today and change everything, I'd do it. But everybody knows, whether you're listening or whether you're in this studio with me, I don't have that power. Now, what I do have power over is how I view things. I do have power. I could take what you said about reading some inspirational thing for the – Maybe I take 20 minutes a day. I can make that a part of my daily routine. That I have control over. No one can stop me from doing that. Even COVID-19 cannot stop me from doing that. So what I have control over, and then we can keep filling in that list, right? And they're not large things, Candace. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you said, well, I've got to get a doctorate in another field too, or I've got to, you know, I've got to publish this for the United Nations. I mean, it's nothing. It's in our grasp. It's in our control. Um, and that's, audience, I hope you get that. And and it's just small things, right? I mean, it's just pick three small things you can do that can make a difference, that can be positive, that can move you in a direction. And my gut is, Candace, as you do these things, as you make these transitions or go through these transitions, when we get to whatever is, the, quote, the next normal, you're going to be the better for it. Absolutely. Right. I think there, you know, I have uh, exposed myself to new perspectives on teaching. I've made time for me um, in ways that I that I didn't before. So yeah, I think that um, it's it's taught me to. I hate to sound like a uh, you know broken record, but to reframe, you know, stop the negative framing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and really focus on the positive framing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, can I? Hey, yes, I, I, Jeff. I have a question. Go ahead. Uh, one of the things I think that <clears throat> I see of a possibility is once we get through COVID, is that uh, organizations are going to figure out that they don't need as big a facility as they yes. used to. Uh, in my previous life, I was I worked for a service company and I had responsibility with technicians, and we grew from just about in Columbus to Ohio and the six states. And so our technicians, we didn't see them every day, mm-hmm. and you know we would talk with them and things like that. And we lost a lot of the culture of the company. And I I see that uh, with what you described in school, I think that could be a possibility there. But businesses are going to start doing more working from home, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And how big of a task is it going to be to keep a culture like you had when you see everybody every day? Yeah. And, and how, you know, is there any way to do that? Well, I think that's going to be one of the big challenges, whether it's for HR departments and organizations, um, you know, depending on the size of the organization, you have small business, you've got to keep people motivated. I absolutely agree with you. I think the days of 
brick and mortar organizations. Um, it's not that they're going to go away, uh, but I think that we've seen through all of this that we can accomplish organizational goals without needing, uh, you know, fancy offices and a lot of equipment. And mm-hmm. and I think that employees are now saying, you know what, I I figured out over the last what nine months. How to make an, an event, I'm sure for some it'll be over the last year, figured out how to make it work, balancing work and family from home. But but the big challenge is how do we maintain relationships with our coworkers? How do we maintain that sense of connection, the sense of cohesiveness and uh, you know that really helps us gel as we collaborate to to accomplish the goals? That's actually how I got into involved with emotional intelligence. The mm-hmm. owner of the company started it and then I kind of fell into that role, but mm-hmm. um, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough pe- keeping people connected. It is. It, and I work with some student organizations on campus right now. And at the beginning of the semester, you know, some of them were throwing up their hands saying, well, there goes our semester. We can't do anything. Um, one of them's a, a service a, a service organization. They perform service to campus and community. And they, well, you know, nobody wants us in to do service projects for us. So we're done. And and it was, you know, I kept reminding them, you're not done. Um, you need to look for opportunities mm-hmm. elsewhere. And so they've they've found online, they've done virtual walks to raise funds for charity. Mm. They've uh, there's there's an online site where they can go and they can answer trivia questions and raise money for uh, food insecurity or organizations that support food insecurity. So I think we just we have to rethink things. And I think from organizations uh, figuring out ways to uh, still connect people via, virtually via Zoom uh, and not saying, well, we're all in our homes, so there goes the opportunity for forming connections and friendships and relationships. No, it's not gone. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Candace, I'm very intrigued. Um, we kind of communicated uh, between one another before uh, having you on about mm-hmm. a research project that you're working on. Can you open up that door a little bit for us? Yeah. Um so the research project focuses on K through 12 parents. Mm-hmm. And um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you know, my doctoral studies, I looked at my, my area of interest then was instructional communication. And, and that that's always kind of been in, in my heart. Yeah. And so over the past several months uh, reading, you know, I'm on some community social media pages and I have friends that are teachers in the local schools and counselors and administrators and just listening and reading all the challenges that folks were going through. Mm. Um, one of the things I was like, we, we need to understand this. You know, There's all this anecdotal information out there, uh, but we need some data to really to, to kind of wrap wrap our minds around this and start to identify themes of things that are going on. So we know how to address this as we come out on the other side of COVID. So um, I designed a a, a survey that just asked parents, I would hear parents say things like, I'm just absolutely overwhelmed and I feel like such a failure. I'm getting all this information from schools. They keep sending me Mm. emails and packets of information and and links to videos. And I just want to talk to somebody. Mm. And that, The light bulb went off, and yeah, are we replacing the interpersonal opportunity, whether it's hosting a virtual town hall meeting, Mm -hmm. um, with pushing all this stuff? And I understand. I empathize with with the local schools, the administrators. This is something they've never experienced. So so how do we communicate effectively and in a way that people feel empowered for learning rather than afraid of it. So uh, uh, this studies th- this phase of the study what I'm looking at I, we we refer to it as parents as teachers if you will. Mm. And how's it affecting communication at home this transition to remote learning? Yeah, wow. So practically speaking um the project uh, would you say you're at the midpoint or beginnings or how mm. far away are you from getting to where you feel like Finishing data collection right now, and in okay. fact, on my to-do list this weekend is to do some analysis because I'll present some preliminary findings next week okay. at a convention. Okay, okay. It's interesting, Candace, uh, because we have clients that have mentioned the very same thing, and they're not connected to what you just mentioned. And 
one specific case is where a leader was asking me, what can I help them with? How can I help them in that dynamic? And for the work we do, um, we're not this, okay, come to our class. We teach you emotional intelligence. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm. All of our clients, when they engage with us, they stay with us six, nine, 12 months because we do want to get down in the midst of what they're doing because change doesn't happen by me just dispensing it to you. You know mm-hmm. this, I know. Um, but this const- this consistent theme of being overwhelmed. You mentioned at the very beginning about, um, I think it was maybe an advisor or someone in administration here locally that said, like, give yourself a break or something mm-hmm. of that nature, right? Yes. Um, could it be, uh, and I know it's near and dear to Jeff's heart too, that self-empathy is that fountain that we have not been drinking from. Oh, I would absolutely agree with you on that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we don't we don't we're we're hard on ourselves. We're in a uh, goal-driven society. Mm-hmm. And and I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be perfect. Right. In every way and we need to stop and say it's okay if you're not perfect. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. Uh, if you will. And yeah. you know, there's there's it's just all this uncertainty uh, that that surrounds us. And there's you know, there's a theory we talk about. It's uncertainty reduction theory. And this is going back to it's it, it just says as humans we we hate change and right. we hate uncertainty. We despise uncertainty. Well, hate's a strong word. We yeah. we dislike yes. uncertainty. And what 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 this theory just says is the come on the way to reduce that is just by communicating. Asking questions, exchanging information. And so that goes back to the study that I was talking about, Mm -hmm. um, that we just have to learn how to communicate through all this in ways that we haven't had to before. I think we got very focused and comfortable on the the, the mediated forms of communication, text messaging and emailing, and we lost the interpersonal, the human element in all of this. That's a great observation, and I would agree with that. And I, I also think, um, you know, and there's all kinds of debate about, you know, lockdowns, how long, mm-hmm. mask wearing. I mean, all the different things that relate to this virus. And I've said this a lot that one of the things that I hope that our leaders, I guess in this case, mostly from a government perspective, that please, please, please factor in in your decision making either the potential or the imminent collateral damage that happens in your pursuit to solve a virus. And this is not me, audience, saying whether or not I believe lockdowns are a good idea or mask wearing is the right thing to do. It's not that at all. Because where we work, we see this collateral damage. Now, fortunately, and this is as of recording this podcast, we haven't seen anything that's totally out of our hands that we had to refer to a clinician or we had we had an interaction that was just, we haven't. However, I think I can speak for Jeff in this. Our eyes are wide open when we interact with a client. We pay attention. Mm-hmm. And to say that it's not impacting people, and, and I know there's there's actual evidence, scientific evidence about the collateral damage. It's just that thing in me that goes, wow, Candace, this is great work. Keep that research thing going. Get that out because Thanks. that is definitely in my mm-hmm. mind one of the things that we are going to be dealing with mm-hmm. on the other side. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my applause for that. Thank you. Um, so – uh, I we are getting close to the end here, and I wanted to ask you this, and this is a surprise question. Uh-oh. Okay. Surprise question. I'm looking at producer Brett, who's going to take care of me on that one again. I, I, I do know how to talk, actually. I'm not a robot. You <laughs> I've know, seen I haven't, him. <laughs> I'm not like I haven't been wind, wind, wound up or something. Um, but it's a surprise question. It's not a gotcha question. But, Candace, who or what? in this most current frame has been inspiring you? Where have you found some inspiration? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I would have to say that probably, uh, and, and, you know, full disclosure here, our sons go to school together. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, were, they were seniors together in high school. Yep. And so 
you know, I would say probably some of my greatest inspiration was when they were going through, you know, having their senior year, their high school senior year and their prom and graduation and all those things disrupted was, I mean, I know I saw it with my son and I saw it with yours as well. Yeah. They were positive through this. And I think that gives me, that has given me hope. And I think conversations with my students um, right now gives me hope because, well, I, I, I think that some of them, their parents have framed this as look at all that they've lost. Mm. And I know recently, you know, we had Halloween and seeing parents talk about, oh, trick or treat, it's not the same and it's horrible. And, you know, seeing some posts that said, no, it's not horrible, it's just different. And because it's different and it wasn't what you had hmm. or what you experienced doesn't make it bad. It can be something really special to them. So I think, you know, when as as parents, as faculty, when we try so hard to keep things the way that they were, the way that we knew it before all this, we got to stop. And it gives me hope that we've got a generation out there that says, we're okay. We're 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 gonna come out of this on the other end a lot stronger, if you will, because they know how to cope with change. Mm. And I think maybe our generation has a lot to learn from them because we've we've gotten very comfortable. Yeah, with our lives. you're very right there. And um yeah, that's 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 very inspiring because you got me yeah. thinking about those things that occurred, you know, when it was one after another, mm-hmm. after another. And specifically, I think about the graduation process. Um, there was so much, and, and I was a little apprehensive as in as much as what to expect. Mm-hmm. Could it really be pulled off in a, in a way that could be memorable and uplifting, positive and all the rest, mm-hmm. which I believe they did. Oh, um, yes. But in, in spades, right. Um, I think about like the the graduation parties and and I I came to your son's graduation party and it's like my wiring is to pay attention and to get a sense of the emotional flow that's happening. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I didn't see a bunch of kids looking down kind of like, I don't know why I'm here. This is just really terrible what they did. We should have been able to nobody lamenting. No, they had adjusted and adapted. None of them would have would have said, Boy, I'm glad this happened. Mm-hmm. But they did take what was given, and I would say they took with a lot of grace. That's that's the word that comes to my mind. I'd say grace and grit. Ah, thank um, you. Yeah, it, absolutely. It, 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 and like I said, I I hear I I'm I'm on in my role at the university and and my role as a parent of uh, two college students at yeah. Ohio University. Uh, I'm on the social media parent pages where parents. Uh, post their concerns and their questions and their frustrations and their anxieties. And uh, I had a conversation yesterday with my son and uh, one of his close friends who's uh, supposed to be his roommate right now, but they're not, they're not in their dorm because the university didn't let them go back to the dorm. And, and I, I just asked them, I said, how are you with all this? They're like, we're okay. We're still learning. We're still having fun. We're still, you know, in our free time, we can still, Play our video games with our friends online. And so, yeah, we've got, I think, my generation, your generation, we have a lot to learn from them. Yeah. (laughs) And and to that point, um, Candace, um, that is a little bit of the concern I have, too, on the other side of things, Mm -hmm. where you have a large number of people that are still waiting for what once was Mm -hmm. to return. And that, um, again... The roles that we play, I mean, I know Jeff and I are sharing this and I speak for you. And this is why we're in the work we're in, mm-hmm. um, because we want to be able to help those folks, too, who are saying, I don't know how to navigate this unknown, uncharted water. And that we can be and it's going to be students, too. I know that we can be that source of, well, let's sit down and let's take a look at things. Maybe we need a different pair of glasses to look through. Right. And that's where we start. Um, Candace, thank you so much for being here. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. And um, 
we'll have you back if you're up for another go around. Because be up for another go around. See, I this picked is well, fantastic. Jeff. I said, you know, Candace will be a good conversationalist, mm-hmm. and she's beyond Aww, good. She's thank really you. great. Yes. So yes, I really yes. appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. So thanks everyone for tuning in to the Spirit of EQ podcast. Take care. Hi everyone. This is Eric Pennington with the Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them, so... Reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Do you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So to we're, hear. we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them, so... Reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Do you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So to we're, hear. we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.